everybody. Welcome to the May 15th Film Photography Podcast. My name is Michael Rosso. I'm here with Dwayne Polkew. Hello, everyone. How are you today? And John Fidelli. Well, hello there. As we have been doing... <laughs> As we have been doing... Yes. Uh, we're going to have a little pre-show, and that is going to be uh, shooting... I'm going to be shooting um, a uh, Polaroid portrait of John and Dwayne, and one of these guys will shoot me using the new Impossible Project Polaroid PX600 film. It is a fine-looking camera. Exciting. Oh, uh, by, thank you, Dwayne. By the way, this is uh, one of the last Polaroid cameras uh, issued before they filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> oh, okay. interesting. This was the first, yeah, one of the last cameras. It's called a Polaroid 1600 camera. O-N-E, no space, 600. 600. And uh, it's really, really fine. If you it's pop a very it, sleek you, looking thing. Look at, that. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah, no, it's really. Fu- if you go to eBay, Ooh, it's very futuristic. Type, and type in Polaroid One Six Hundred, you'll see. Um, this this was the model that was packaged that Urban Outf- Outfitters mm-hmm. when they did their last push of. Polaroid. It looks like the kind of camera that if you watch a television show in the sixties or seventies, they yeah. say this is what cameras will look like in yeah. the year two thousand. No doubt. I'm really digging. I mean, this is a fine camera. I took one roll of film, and I was very, very pleased. John Fidelli, you saw the uh, Polaroid portrait I took of Joe Kolbeck. Right. Yeah. It's on my Flickr account. If you go to Flickr.com and search me as a member or contact, Michael Rosso, you'll find Michael Rosso Film Photography. And if you scroll down, you'll see the Joe Kolbeck portrait that I took with the Polaroid 1-600 camera and the new PX-600. Of course... To uh, give you a quick recap, last month we reported the Impossible Project finally released their film for Polaroid cameras. Their first film, the PX100 for the SX70 cameras. And now in April they released, this past April, they released the PX600. So, Dwayne, they're right on schedule. Good for them. And in the summer they're to release their first color film. Ooh. Which they should have done to begin with, but... Well, yes, and right after we take a few quick shots here, I'm going to give a quick overview of Polaroid, (laughs) of a new camera that Polaroid has introduced, unbeknownst to... Hello? (laughs) Hey, uh, Trackman, you're on the uh, Film Photography Podcast. Yes. Right now, as we speak? As we speak. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah Fidelli's here. Hey. Hey. Where are you calling from? All right, well, we, oh. I, I got anything to say about film photography? Um, yeah, I got that little uh, clipper I could send you. <laughs> the little what? <laughs> what? what? It's that little uh, that old camera from the 50s. That was my dad. Oh, it's, is it a Ansco clipper? Ansco clipper, yeah. Oh. I know my, I know my stuff. That's excellent. Uh-huh. And your father, the, the track daddy, used to shoot with it. Daddy used to shoot. The track daddy was a big uh, film photographer and uh, and uh, super eight photographer, as you know. Uh, that's Ooh. awesome. Well, c- can I can I call you back? I guess so. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by the film photography <laughs> podcast. Thanks for calling. Have a great uh, podcast there. Hey. Thank you. Uh, hey. Uh, I know John Trackman. 
also his real name John Casimiro. I know him since I'm seven years old. That's crazy. Wow. He was like one of my the first friend I met when I moved to Lindhurst, New Jersey. I don't know anybody that long. And you only befriended him because he was carrying an Ansco camera. <laughs> yes. Little did he know. Look at that camera. That he was that that. Forty years later, that was your motive to get that camera. And he's no. <laughs> and he's known as the Track Man because he used to work at the track, a horse track. Meadowlands. Yes. Dog. Tra- oh, all over the country. Dog track. Oh, really? He was. Uh, he was the Track Man. Yes, then. he was the Track Man. He wow. claims that he never worked at the dog track, but to me, anyhow. The Polaroid 1600 uh, says you could shoot as close as three feet. So I'm going to shoot a shot of John. Three feet. Oh, my. I'm not going to be very look very flattering at three feet. What? Uh, is it three feet? This Mike, three you're about three feet away. Mike is now aiming the camera at Mr. Fideli. And he's focusing. And he, oh, there it goes. Oh, it's blue. Yes. That's the Polaroid PX600. It's it was is the it was the other uh, film blue as well. Yes. Really, I never got to see because you always flip it over so fast. Three feet, Dwayne. A little bit closer, right there. Uh, Dwayne is uh, imitating uh, the announcer for the Hindenburg disaster. <laughs> I really hear Michael has taken this picture. And who wants to take a picture of me? I'll take. I never. You know what? I never took a instamatic shot. Instamatic. Never. Is that what it's called? I gotta get three feet. Where's the thing? <laughs> the thing is on the back. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. That's hey, the where's thing. the thing? No, this. This thing. <laughs> we can't escape the soprano. No, no, no. You gotta shoot high to hide my double chin. <laughs> I can't get that high, Mike. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, John knows he put. I feel the like film. I'm playing cards at uh, he Vegas. Immediately put the film down. It's, I slapped it down. Hit me. If these uh, if these come out reasonably well, I'm going to experiment a little bit later on with putting a Koken two-time filter in front. It's hmm. a close-up filter. Really? It'll be worthy <clears throat> experiment. Absolutely. Hmm. I'd I'd buy that for a dollar. Well, anyhow, welcome to the film photography podcast. Hey. Hey. Uh. We're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Polaroid and those rascals. Something, something different. The Impossible Project <laughs> issued a statement last week. I should say first week of May um, about their laminate. If you look, the images we just took. No kidding. Check out the the back. The, apparently, the laminate yes. is loose on PX six hundred one batch. Yep, it's coming right off. Yeah, don't 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 do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Now, as, it's like a scab. I want to pick it. Uh, as Florian Caps, a.k.a. Doc, you know, one of the big three at Impossible said, some people don't mind. And I can tell you that I really don't care. Yeah. I'm peeling the laminate off anyway because there's a nice border underneath mm-hmm. to get more of a, what would you call it, John, the, the border on, on the laminate? Matte? No. It, it produces kind of a funky... Frame? Yes frame if you actually peel the laminate off what did i win boy these came out pretty good how's mine look whoa there's this like blue spots see. still see there's blue spots around that's pretty funny john i got you right i i, I caught the real mike rasso i think in that photo i i think you did too i'm gonna do my close-up experiment right now may i see that coke and filter for just a moment mike yes thank you so much oh it is indeed 
a uh, you know what Koken is named after? No, did you have Koken filters? I still use Koken filters. No, please t- actually, Dwayne, would you mind telling me a little bit about Koken? Um, Koken, which is spelled C-O-K-I-N, is actually a mutation of Jean Koken, who was a French photographer, and he decided that you know something. I have five different lenses in my kit bag, and they all have different diameter lenses, so I have to buy five different sets of filters. So why don't I just make one universal filter adapter, mm-hmm. and I can only have one set of filters, and it will fit each and every one of those individual lenses. And thus, the brand Koken Filters Sparky. was formed. When, when was that about? Oh, man, I, it's got to be 70s or 80s. Because I was using them in the mid-80s. I was using these in the late 70s. Okay, so it's going back to the mid-70s. And although people use digital filters now, you know, they can mimic a lot mm-hmm. of the same uh, techniques that the Koken filters certainly created, I think they're still very, very worthy filters because there's some funky, crazy different, uh, you know, effects you can get with these things. And they're pretty well-made. I mean, they're not as well-made as, you know, Tiffin or BW or the really, you know, premium brands. But mm-hmm. for the money, I think they're amazing. I think they're great. Well, let's see how this Coke in So this is a, this is a up. close-up filter? Yes. Now, what I tr- uh, because since this is not a um, single-lens reflex camera, I just have to guess where Focal I just have to guess is. where the focus is. So I'm going to try to shoot a portrait of Dwayne with the Coke in filter. Interesting. But I'm going to try. I'm gonna try <laughs> All right, let's see it. this. I'm going to narrate. Okay, Mike is standing up, having a little trouble, but he made it. <laughs> He's trying to warm that Coke and filter in front of there. While trying to guess where what the focus is. What I would do, Mike, is I would try is. take you're at the corner of the filter. In other words, the lens on the Polaroid camera is near the edge of the filter, and I think you want to shoot through the center of it. Well, it's going to create a nice effect, actually. Oh, you think so? Well, I have no way of, I have no way of getting it to the front. Then do uh, what you want. Well, but, by the way, you should mention, don't, not on Mike, that the Koken doesn't really have a holder for this Polaroid camera. Right. Just, he's just holding it. He's, he's rigging it. The Polaroid it. camera doesn't well, have you any got, You got the edge of the frame in front of the flash, though, pal. No, no, I don't. The flash is over here. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There you go. You'll be fine. Right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's Mike. That's he's good. warming in and out. Oh, very good. Nice. That's a lovely shade of blue that that film has on it. The, the PX film has a lovely shade of blue. Yeah. And it sounds much nicer when the big three describe it because they have that nice accent. Not it's there. a lovely shade of blue. They're from Scotland? No, I don't know where they're from. Where are they from? Austria? <laughs> Once again, I can't resist them hearing our Jersey accent talk about shade of blue. It's a great shade of blue. And that's it. I don't want to hear nothing else. <laughs> don't you think? I think this is it. I think, I think, I think I'm out of film because there's eight. There's eight in mm. here. I think it's going to shoot blanks. Mm. Let me see. Nothing. Yeah. That Here's was a, a quick bit. It was a good face. Do you know that Polaroid Corporation issued a radio, I guess in the 80s or maybe 90s, a radio that, it's an AM, FM radio. That takes photos. No, no, that's powered by the empty film cartridge because huh? there's a battery in here. Oh, no kidding. Really? So the radio looks like a box of Polaroid film and you slip in this film cartridge and it powers the radio. It's funny. Isn't that awesome? I'd love to this see one This was the 70s? Those. 70s or 80s, I would imagine. If anybody has one of those, let us know. Yeah, I, I got one on eBay. I, I should have known. I don't have it yet. And the prices are all over the map. Yeah, well, what what's the range? 
anywhere from like ten dollars to like sixty dollars, and I was happy enough to get one for like twenty bucks. Yeah, it's medium. It was a promotional giveaway. Yeah. Cool. Pretty smart. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to tell you, I've been very pleased with the uh, PX film. The PX six hundred is good. Now, if you recall, John, it's a lot. The PX one hundred was was very blurry, very foggy. Yes. Very flat. Yes. This is definitely has higher contrast, much less grain, except that it still has that sepia tone. Well, which one monoc- is it? This it's is the monoc- PX what? PX six hundred. Really? Yes. I have not tried the PX six hundred in a SX seventy camera. You know, it's it's rated differently. I thought that the PX one hundred wasn't really rated at. At 100 ASA because it let just see, let me see the picture you took with the diopter. I'm a little off with the coke and filter, but it's really not so bad. Oh, looks pretty good. May I see? May I see what? Nothing. You look very uh, stoic there, by the way, Dwayne. You look like a mountain climber. John, I look I look awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look like Lloyd from Wings. I look like an ogre. Really? Lloyd. An ogre? Yeah. No, you look like a... Uh, you look like a uh, record... I look like the character record from... Record store the, owner. Record <laughs> store... The character from Monty Python, Meaning of Life. Who no, not quite that guy. Okay. Give me a bucket, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> so let's talk what about... What other color filters do you have? Oh, I have... Um, no, let's talk about cloak and filters. Well, really quickly, I have a little case uh, and a uh, the adapter and the adapter ring, so I could use it on a 52mm, 55mm um, for my Canon SLR cameras. And I have um, quite a few graduate filters. Mm-hmm. I have some ND filters. Mm-hmm. I have the star filter. Ooh. I have one that splits the screen into like hippy dippy. Oh, I took a picture of Darian Kane using that filter, yes. which you published in Alternative Cinema Magazine, and it was that very filter. That was a Koken filter. That was a Koken filter. Wow. Mm. For those of you who don't know, Mike is a, is a film producer, yes. and one of his actresses is named Darian Kane. And yes. about five or six years ago, I took a picture, a portrait of Darian using that Koken filter where her face is in focus in the center, and there are multiple images of her around her head, hmm. which are kind of blurring out of focus, and it was published in Mike's Alternative Cinema Magazine, which is, of course, no more. But it was a great shot. Well, here's a question. What are, like, the essential filters that someone who's starting out in film photography should have? What do you think, Dwayne? What do I think? I think it depends what they want to do, but, I mean, if I just had to put together a basic kit, I would say uh, probably a polarizer. To mm-hmm. remove reflections and to saturate color is really important. If you're going to do landscapes, you want a split neutral density filter that will, you know, darken skies and leave the, the foreground properly exposed. Mm-hmm. If you're doing black and white film, you want to have maybe a yellow, a red, a, a red, an orange. Uh, there are different filters you'd want to use if you want to shoot infrared film. Um, you know, a lot of different special effects filters, like we said, that Koken makes. But I mean, some people get along with just those few. Mm. I used Koken filters on the front of my. Super 8 film camera when I shot uh, those short films for uh, Professor Tarbox. Is that right? Really? Yeah, graduate filter to make the sky red. Oh. Uh, a few crazy filters. Oh, I bet you got an A. I got a B or an A. <gasps> I, I really liked her. Yuck. But not in that way. Yuck. Uh, the laminate is falling off of the back of the PX600 films. But as I said, this is not an issue. 
you know, it's only been out for a couple of months. They still need to get the kinks out of it. But I'm really embracing the PX600 for for what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not expecting... You have to. I'm not expecting... I'm getting exactly what I expected to get mm-hmm. based on the description of he- hearing what the big three had to say about the film. Listen, guys. Not you guys. The big three. No problems for me. No problems <laughs> for me either. But uh, let's get right right into Polaroid. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a, a quick recap of the Polaroid story. It's really quick. Polaroid Corporation, an international consumer electronics... Founded in nineteen. Uh, <laughs> Originally started by Jason Copperthwaite in 18-something... Founded in 1937 by... Won an arm wrestle by... Founded in 1937 by Edwin H. Land. Okay, speed it up. Genius. It's most famous for his instant film cameras, which reached the market in 1948 and continued to be the company's flagship product line until February 2008 decision to cease all production in favor of digital photography uh, products. Uh, did you know that in 1986, the Polaroid company defeated Kodak in a patent battle? Really? Yes. Yes. And because Kodak tried to make instant film, too. In the 70s. Yeah. Yes, and they did. And uh, isn't it amazing how this battle started in the mid-1970s, and it wasn't settled till 1986? Oh. Could you imagine the amount of money each company spent? They were loaded at the time, though. Yeah. Those guys had some deep pockets. Yeah. Something like that <clears throat> takes forever. On October 11, 2001, Polaroid Corporation filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Almost all of the company's assets, including the Polaroid name, were sold to a subsidiary of Bank One. Hmm. They went on to form a new company, which also operated under the name Polaroid Corporation. It stopped making Polaroid cameras in 2007, and <laughs> this is dated, and will stop selling Polaroid film after 2009. By the way, this is from wikipedia.com if you mm. wish to go there. By the way, wikipedia.com is not necessarily like the end all of right. fact. So people put that up there. There's nobody checking those facts. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm just letting everyone out there know that I'm telling you, you know, just off of the web. Significant criticism surrounding this takeover be- because the process left executives of the company with large bonuses while stockholders, as well as current and retired employees, were left with nothing. What else is new? Yeah. Really, is that shocking? Hello, well, Goldman Sachs. I well, mean, maybe you know. back then it was... No, yeah, everybody <laughs> Not, not Goldman Sachs. It was more like uh, uh, she, uh, Lehman. Lehman. Lehman Brothers. Brothers. Lehman. Yeah. So. It's a sad, sad state of affairs. It's hey, not, it's what runs this country. It's not a surprise. I mean, this is a major, major corporation. Uh, on June 19th, 2009, the, the new holding company for Polaroid, PLRIP Holdings, LLC, announce an exclusive five-year contract with Summit Global Group to produce, distribute Polaroid-branded digital still cameras. Okay, great. On February 8th, 2008, Polaroid, under the control of Thomas J. Peters... Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Jefferson Peters. (laughs) Well, in 2008, Polaroid decided to withdraw from making film. Austrian photographer Florian Capps. Hey, hey now, hey Austrian photographer Florian Caps, owner of the largest online vendor for SX70 Films and organizer XX70 <laughs> of the web-based instant the web-based instant photo gallery Polaroid.net. He bought approximately 500,000 film packages that were on in stock. 
Stop it. I'm sorry. This is the good part. Finally, this is the good yeah. part. Yeah. Go this is a recap from last show, by the way. Uh, they bought a large Polaroid factory in Enchiled. How do you pronounce that in in Netherlands? And how do you pronounce that? I feel like, uh, you know when you're like in third grade and you're reading and you have to stop on a word and mm-hmm. the teacher like has to help you? <laughs> they plan to redesign the SX-7600 film, which they did. They made the PX film. Polaroid has decided to release a camera to go with the new film which is shaped reminiscent to older models, but with fewer moving parts. That was to be the PIC 1000 camera, which is the new one-step, which will take the PX600 film, and I'm assuming will take the color film, which will be introduced this summer. Yes. Here's where the drama starts. Drama. Johnny Drama. Yesterday, drama this for is your mama. on May 5th, 2010, Polaroid Corporation launched the Polaroid 300, This move defies all predictions about the future of photography and proves the enduring love for iconic brand. The Polaroid 300 bears resemblance to older models, but it has undergone a bit of a facelift. Lady Gaga was appointed creative director in a bid to ensure the camera's retro chic appeals to to younger generation as its mass army of former fans. Lady Lady Gaga, how does she sing? Uh... Uh, you know what? I couldn't tell you one la, lady. Gaga la, 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 It's a big hit. It's a huge la, hit. La, 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 Bad romance. She just oh, says la, I, la, 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 la. I thought you were singing the Genius. banana splits. La, 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 So she was, paid, was Lady Gaga paid to be a spokesperson for them? La, la. <laughs> yes. Oh. Now, the, okay. the Polaroid 300 produces a, a piece of film that is the size of a business card, and it is... It, it resembles the Fujifilm Inst- Instax Mini, and not only that, but this what you know fans are saying or or is a rebranded Inst- Instax Mini made by Fuji. Fuji is making the film for the Polaroid 300. Wow. Yes. Now Fuji is already making film for the 100 pack cameras. Though I think it bears mentioning when Mike and I were at the uh, the conference. The press conference. The impossible press conference. Right. Um, I, I posed the question, you know, a lot of people have 4x5 view cameras and they have Polaroid backs. Are you guys interested in making pack film for these in addition to doing the, uh, you know, the retro stuff, the SX-70 stuff? And they said, no, no, you're going to have to go to Fuji for that. And it kind of gave me the, the feeling that, well, you know, their whole attitude was that we're doing this, Fuji is doing that, we're completely separate. So isn't it kind of ironic and real surprising that here's Fuji coming on board as well? I just think it's interesting. Now making a second film for right. a Polaroid-branded product. Right. Which sort of leads you to believe that is Polaroid actually going to introduce the po- the one the one step, you know, the, the, 1000, the pick 1000. And if they do introduce that ca- camera... Are they going to rely upon Impossible's 600 film? Or is like all of a sudden Fuji going to announce that they're now making that film as well? I think Polaroid felt that the whole instant photography thing was dead. Digital cameras are what is now. We don't want to have anything to do with it. And then what happened? Well, these guys from Austria came along and they've inc- just had this incredible amount of interest and in momentum building. And maybe uh, Polaroid is having uh, second thoughts. You know, oh, let's join the bandwagon. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time somebody did that. Well, this is published in amateurphotographer.co.uk. Polaroid slammed over instant camera launch. The Dutch company behind the revival of traditional Polaroid-style instant film has hit out after Polaroid revealed a new camera that will not work with the film. 
uh, hit out. John and I were talking about this before we started recording. I guess that's a British term. Yeah, I don't know what like, it means. Like, you know, fair play or yeah. Bob's right. Your uncle. Bob's Your Uncle was made up by Tom Moose. Oh, oh you're was full it? Of, yes. No. The move has sparked... Look, listen. This is what I'm reading online. I don't know if this all is right, true all or not. Right. No, the move good. has sparked anger from bosses at the Dutch-based Impossible Project who expected Polaroid to launch a new version of the Polaroid 1000. It's yes. Big three, the bosses. Yes. After its showcase at CES in January. Polaroid 1000 cameras will accept the 600-style film produced by the Impossible Project. A spokesperson, I'm sorry, a spokeswoman for Impossible BV said, the management of the Impossible Project finds this confusing and clearly wants to state that the Polaroid 300 is not the camera that has been announced in Polaroid's press release, press release from January 7th, which we read on the air here right. mm-hmm. about the PIC 1000, the new Polaroid One Step. So I think that Impossible is shocked that they knew nothing of this and the fact that Fujifilm is making the film for this camera. Now, maybe they're pressing the, uh, what do you call that button? You know, the button. The panic button. Yes, the panic button. Maybe it's no big deal. But isn't it funny if you Google... The Google. The Polaroid PIC 1000 is nothing since CES. Hmm. Like, not a peep. Hmm. So the question is... You know, is that camera coming out? Um, and the, here is from May 6th. Polaroid has insisted that its recent announced Polaroid 300 instant film camera is the first of a number of analog models it plans to launch in the coming months. The firm was responding to an accusation that it is twisting its story about cameras it plans to introduce this year. Polaroid had angered management at the Impossible Project after revealing the Polaroid 300. Subterfuge and villainy. What do you think, guys? It's not nice. I well, listen. My but business be- is business. My belief is that uh, well, first of all, I'm in the corner of impossible because they're indies, mm-hmm. and uh, they're the underdog. They're the underdog, and they're the indie company. Polaroid is this huge. I mean, Jesus, look at the old Polaroid that you know is claimed to stiff its management, and you know mm-hmm. uh, all the execs had golden parachutes. So would it really surprise anyone if Polaroid does introduce their new one-step and then have all of a sudden Fuji? Yeah. You know. Well, they probably don't want to associate their camera with the, the current stocks that the Impossible Project has. Well, Because those are not really what they would... But Impossible is yet to release their color film. Right. Well, you think they're going to sit around and wait? They're going to try and beat them to the market with their color films and, and their cameras and try and screw them. This reminds me of what some companies did... When uh, inkjet printing became really, really popular, mm-hmm. a lot of people introduced, you know, third-party cartridges for Epson printers and whatnot. And the, the companies that made those printers said, "Ah, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Do what you want." But all of a sudden, hmm. when oh. there was this big market, they did everything they could they could to crush those third-party oh, people, yeah. you know, because they realized, well, that's that's eating into yeah, our market share. A lot of revenue. A lot of revenue. So Most of the revenue from selling an inkjet printer is, is in the peripherals and in ink later on down the line oh, too. Yeah. So you. So know. you think it's as simple as Polaroid, current Polaroids. Thinking, ah, film, blah, it's digital market, and them seeing this renewed interest with all these kids going bonkers over instant photography. That's what I would think. I mean, why else would they care? Unless mm. It's about money. Are they it's offended? always about money. Are they offended somehow? No, they just want to make more money. Well, maybe, let's put it this way. Be careful. I always say, and this is personally, you know, be careful what you wish for because you're not going to get what you think. Maybe Impossible thought they would launch the film and that Polaroid would sponsor them and they would partner up to mm-hmm. put their film right. with their new camera but everyone it, would be happy walking down a, a lane lined with yellow petunias right. and golden 
showers. But, <laughs> but, it, but it may not go... <laughs> It may not go down that way, and if it doesn't go down that way, I mean, they still have their film, right. and they still will have their fans, and maybe they won't get the market share they were hoping for. Definitely not. But people aren't going to even bother with them. Well, let's just say the are, 80%, I think, 80% of the market for the new Instamatic cameras is going to be, you know, I think people higher. who shop at Walmart and not people who are, you know, artistic and, and want to use the Impossible film for those yeah. applications. So I think we're going to have to wait and see. It is interesting. Yes, yes, it is interesting. The battle and drama continues. It is. In the meantime, I am using the film. I love the PX600. Here's the developed frames, Dwayne. That's much nicer looking. It's a much... I think it's a better stock than the... uh, But next month, you know what? I have the original 1972 Polaroid Alpha camera, Mm -hmm. which I didn't have last time. Let me really fast pull it out because I think, John, you'll marvel at it. Look at this. Whoa, that looks like a cigarette case. That is sleek. This, sleek. This is the original 72 Alpha Polaroid camera for SX70. Crazy. It's a single lens reflex. So with the Polaroid 100 film, I will actually be able to focus mm. and really give the film a, a much better test. I believe Gloria and Gilbert had one of those. You're kidding. Yeah. She used to do personal, this is a, a personal aside, but she used to do personal appearances and uh, I used to hang out with her and she used to... Uh, Give away Polaroids, and I think she had that camera. That camera, the folding. Yeah, the the brown leatherette, sleek yeah. silver folding one. Uh, by the way, prices for Polaroid skyrocketing. The original Polaroid on eBay. Yeah. Sky, I mean, this. Camera, Since you started talking about it. <laughs> yes, it's me. This camera, the Alpha One, uh, goes for usually about a hundred dollars. Usually much more. Mm-hmm. I've seen him for like seven, eight thousand dollars. Oh my god! No, stop! He's joking. You jerk! <laughs> uh, gotcha! <laughs> yeah, you did. You got me. Gotcha! I'll get you. Oh, I know you will. Let oh. me let me express oh, my you. problem with uh, really stop quickly <laughs> with eBay. <laughs> let me express eBay. my my uh, my some grief with eBay. I've been buying a lot of cameras this month on eBay, and I've been now buying a lot of. Um, I have like two or three now. Pete Jacklone, a friend of ours, actually brought over a camera, mm-hmm. the Polaroid. Um, I think it's called the Polaroid 220 Pack Camera. It uses the film that peels. Mm. Oh, wow. Fuji is currently making that film. And I started buying some older cameras on eBay, and some of them are pretty reasonable, but wound up being bid up like $40 or $50. I'd get the camera, and most eBay sellers that sell old vintage cameras, you know, bought at an estate sale. I know nothing about cameras. Mm -hmm. As is. As is, but sometimes like new in box, but... The problem is I'm getting these camera in, and I open up the battery compartment. There's and the, a battery in there. The, ca- the battery compartment is exploded yeah. with corrosion. Mm-hmm. Like the batteries have just burst. Yeah. And it, it is disgusting and time-consuming to clean out that compartment to find that all the leads are dead. So I found a seller on eBay called Option 8, and he actually has a website called InstantOptions.com, and this is a guy who takes these cameras in and refurbishes them, mm. and then resells them on eBay. But the thing that I applaud uh, this gentleman for is the fact that you see a lot of buy it nows on eBay for cameras for like a hundred dollars. I mean, crazy prices, right? Two hundred and twenty-five dollars, and that is aggravating and mm-hmm. not fair. No, and they don't even tell you that the camera's operating. So option eight tells you that he's refurbished the camera, cleaned out the battery compartments. It's operational. Has switched the battery to, to double A's, so you don't have to buy like a crazy or defunct battery. 
and has tested the camera. And he doesn't use a buy it now? He option. uses buy it now for oh, like does. $40, which I think is very, very reasonable. Wow. So I bought two cameras. I don't have them yet. And I sent him a little letter, maybe a Flickr mail. He's also on Flickr saying, you know what? You rock. You're, re- you're taking the time to lovingly restore these cameras. Mm-hmm. And then you're selling them at, you know, not a crazy price. You really rock. You really rock. Yikes. Well, that's very encouraging. Very encouraging. What's his name again? Option 8. Let's bring up the energy level of the podcast. A big shout out to Option 8 on eBay. It'd be funny if Option 8 was actually a robot. Yeah. I am Option 8. I am Option 8. Thank you very much. Uh, if you go to his website, instantoptions.com, you'll see that, you know, there's his heart behind mm-hmm. what he's doing. Someone cares. Yeah. I have to tell you, I get all choked up when I find people that really, really care. Yeah, because there's so few of them. People on eBay, some of them are just, you know. Yeah, go ahead and say it. We'll beep it. Pricks. <laughs> Goodness. They're just so money hungry, money grubbing. Yeah. Well, you know what? They've they've turned it into a machine and you look at their their score and they've got, you know, fifty nine thousand transactions and it's like you know It's all about the almighty dollar. That's what they do. That's how they make their money and don't care anymore. I'm not publishing this picture of me. <laughs> John took on the with PX six hundred. Oh brother. It's like it looks ter- I look terrible. You guys look all nice. Nice look at me. God. Oh, well. I'll try one next month. Hey, this Go is... Go jogging every day and we'll take one next month. You'll this like is it. from... Uh, we will talk about film developing today, won't we? Yes. I hope so. This is from uh, Neil Carpenter. Neil Carpenter Thanks. from Inward Studios sponsored the AE1 camera giveaway. Yay! Yes. By the way, that camera, the AE1, is all jammed up in customs. <laughs> it'll go... It'll get there. Because right? of the Because <clears throat> of the uh, explosion over there. Some kind of <laughs> no, explosion. It was, it was a, no, it's like a <laughs> there was a volcano eruption. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. volcano! Yeah, that really stalled mail. Staffendorfen. Let's see. Where do we send that? Hold on. That went. Oh, uh, that went to that region of the world. It went to uh, uh, Norway, to... right? Oh, Norway. The Canada Denmark. Was... Denmark. Oh, well, that was right in the the, the flight path of the uh, yeah. the ash. Andreas, we sent. I got a nice message from Andreas. It, it took a while to get there, mm. and then it got stuck at customs. Ah, so bummer. it's worth the wait there because it's a beautiful camp. Yeah. So Neil, who's at Inward Studios, who was kind enough to uh, pledge 100 US so we could purchase that camera package awesome. to a giveaway, says that if we're in Macon, because he's in Macon, Georgia, that he'll be happy to put us up. Now I need to keep track of this because now we have like three, four invites all over the right. world. Road trip. Definitely. Beer pong. It says come Beer in the pong. spring. Oh. <laughs> See the movie. No. Come in the spring or fall, you might die if you come in the summer. Yeah. 95 to 105 degrees yeah, and 100 sure percent humidity. Oh my God! People Insects live there. The size of small birds. Yeah. Right. Oof. Does he live in the swamp? <laughs> you swamper. So thank you, Neil. Yeah, good guy. Now we are developing some regulars. Here's a letter from Ditas. Dieter. Ditas. Ditas. My Ditas. Here's a letter from Dieter. I just got finishing listening to episode 7, in which you talk about developing black and white. While you ended up missing chunks of the procedure because you went off on a couple of tangents. Just a couple. A couple. <laughs> just, a, just a couple. I tried. I did my very best. 
But it's Mike Rasso is the boss man, and if he tangents what? eight or nine times. It's like, oh, the sad guy who makes the best pizza. <laughs> yeah. I would like to point you to a couple of items which may be of interest. Well, thank you, Dieter. The first is a website for a development chart created by Digital Truth, digitaltruth.com. It's a massive development chart which allows one to create custom development process in effect by plugging in different film developer and time combinations. Awesome. That sounds pretty good. There's also an app for the iPhone and iPod Touch called Massive Development Chart, available in the iTunes App Store. Dieter says he likes the meetup idea in which the FPP... Yeah, FPP, film photography, but yeah, okay. FPP <laughs> podcast audience can get together for a photo walk or something. I know I'd certainly be interested in, in something like that. I, I think he means in New Jersey or in New York. Have people converge and do uh, a photo yeah. Maybe. conference? Yeah. Sure, why not? You expressed puzzlement at the photography at the photography site called PhotoCamel, photocamel.com. I ran across this site about a year ago. While trying to learn more about another site I read about in a magazine. I think, but I'm not 100% certain that The Camel is a sister site to Analog Photography User Group. APUG. Very good site. Have you ever gone to APUG? Yes. I don't spend very much time there, but I probably should. I'm too bi- hey, th- Dieter, thank you for your letter. If you want to learn about chemistry and you really, really want to learn about alternative processes, I mean, you want to ask a question about platinum printing, that's pretty much the place to go. Hmm. I'll hook you up. Those are the hardcore dudes. By the way, like, yeah. the letters keep pouring in, and I am thankful for all your listeners who really enjoy the Film Photography Podcast. I can't tell you how much I enjoy it. As a matter of fact, John Fideli, friend of mine forever, will probably tell you... Not since seven years old, though. No, not since the track, man. Hey! hey. That... Really... I'm really into this. Yep. I'm into nothing else. And Mike is, I don't know if you know this about Mike, but he also likes Polaroid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't like Polaroid. When we first started the project, I was highly critical of Polaroid. About the soft, fuzzy image, yada, yada. Anyhow. Yes. Here's a letter from... I used to shoot still lifes in the studio with a 4x5U camera, and of course I would proof them with a Polaroid back. And I'm telling you, that material back in like the mid-90s was the sharpest, crispest well, stuff you could imagine. It was unbelievably It's as sharp as the camera you use, correct? Exactly, yes. I truly mm-hmm. believe that I mean, that material is as sharp as the lens these you are, have. These are practically toys. Yeah. Lenses are not. Yeah, these are one-step cameras are, you know, what do you call it? The unifo- unifocus, single focus Fixed focus. Fixed focus. Yeah, I mean, in terms of sharpness of the emulsion, you know, it is it is as capable as the lens in your technique. Bridget Wang, she's a photographer, Bridget Wang Photography. She says that the, the podcast makes newbies feel more connected to the rest of the analog community. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yes, I would totally agree because... If you listen to the earlier podcast, I expressed how scared I was of 120 film. And now I'm rolling 120 film to 620 uh, uh, spools like I'm rolling a cigarette. Ever mm. see like a, a sharpshooter <laughs> cigarette roller? Like, then they lick it. Mm-hmm. Lick yeah. it. Like, oh, <laughs> lick it good. Doom, 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 doom. Like the old West, you know? I could. Mm-hmm. I could and I, I, I've talked about this too when I'm in the bag. That's the, the changing yeah. bag. It's like. All in the zone. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden it's like <laughs> uh, I'm in the bag. I belong in the bag. Yeah. 
I am at peace when I'm in the bag. Shooting four by five, going on many photography trips, I, you know, you find yourself on a park bench, you're in a tent, you're in a car, changing those four by five mm. film hobos with my hands in a bag, you know, people look at you like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm in a zone, man. <laughs> Guy's crazy. He's stoned out of his mind, and he's building a bomb. Here's a (laughs) Henri Cartier-Bresson exhibit. (laughs) Oh, really? I love that Henri Cartier-Bresson. Yes, of course I destroy everything. Henri (laughs) Cartier-Bresson. Henri uh, (laughs) Cartier-Bresson. HCB. Listen, HCB, Henri (laughs) Cartier-Bresson, is going to be at the MoMA. Uh, MoMA. Yeah, what, are they going to dig him up and put him there? So... Uh, Henry, can you pronounce it, please? Henri Cartier-Bresson. Will be at the MoMA. Museum of Modern Art in New York City. In May. And um, Eric. Let's go. Jung says we should meet up there. Mm. Let's go. Hey, Let's go and interview. Well, this is May. Let's go and interview people. Yeah. We'll call them up, get a press pass. And we'll walk around and we'll just talk to people like, what do you like? For those of you who do not know, Henri Cartier-Bresson was the person who really, really, really gave Leica... The 35mm rangefinder camera, a cult status. He's one of the most brilliant street shooters, mm. one of the most brilliant photojournalists of all time. And he just, he, and, and his photography really has almost a cult following as well. Yeah. Striking him. I remember I saw, when I was in college, I saw him at MoMA, an exhibit of his. How I, old was he? Uh, he was just a <laughs> youngster then. <clears throat> but I, I was a youngster and uh, I was buying the hardcover book. Mm-hmm. After I saw the exhibition, and a nice old lady who was a member of MoMA behind me said, are you a member? I'm like, no. She said, you get 10% off. Use my card. Oh, that was so nice of her. Yeah. I thought that was very cool. So now I have that lovely book because of her. I'll, I'll look into it tomorrow, Dwayne. Yeah, we should definitely. And go. I'll announce on the Flickr, if you go to the Flickr Film Photography Podcast group. The Flickr. <laughs> so uh, thanks, Eric. Yeah, Meetup is a great idea. Uh, here is a... Letter from James Wells. He is from Idaho. I stumble upon this lovely photo of Erin Russ, which Ooh. is my photo. I shot it. Lovely girl. I'm looking and, at photos of her right now in your Flickr. And was blown away by the color. If this is Kodachrome, I must get some. <laughs> so I found your podcast and love it. So much information, cool vibe. The music rocks as well. John, that's your music. Bought, uh, anyhow, James found a working 1961 Minolta Unio mat at a junk store for $5. Wow, good find. And he thought that Kodachrome would be a match made in heaven. He also says, I love the Alternative Cinema podcast as well. That's right. All this is, is caused by UFOs. Yay. And was wondering if any of your AC brand films can be seen on Netflix. Yes. Rot. Reunion of Terror. I shot the, uh, the box cover of that. That's right, you did. What was the girl's name again? You would know better than I. I forgot. She's very pretty, though. <laughs> um, so we market films here at Alternative Cinema. That is my job during the day. And many times we'll need key art, poster art for a film. And many, 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 many times I've called Dwayne and said, can you come down and shoot the box cover? Lauren Sawyer. Yes. Oh, nice. Today's Lauren Sawyer, mean, mean pride. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if a rot snorted. reunion of terror you actually brought 
the modeling. I said, can you go on Model Mayhem? And, from Model Mayhem. Can you please find a model? And he did. And uh, if you're on Netflix, Rot Reunion of Terror. It's made by Michael Hoffman. He's from Florida. And he works for, I hate to say it because I don't want what I'm going to get. It's fine. He works for Bon Jovi Company. To the heart, <laughs> you blame, darling, you give love a bad name. <laughs> he works for uh, John Bon Jovi's uh, relative. They have a recording his studio. His brother. Oh, it is his brother. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Michael Hoffman, nice guy, good film. There were other films on, um, send me an email. Filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Greg McNeil from the United, from Scotland. 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 <laughs> hey, you and McGregor. Who wants to? Do you want to read this in an accent? No. Okay. See, these guys are really mellowed out. I don't so. want to insult these. Yeah. This is Greg McNeil. I'll read it in Scottish. No, get out of here. <laughs> All right, do the first paragraph. Greg, you're going you're gonna to play along with us, right? Hey, what are you no, give me that <laughs> Get out of here. Bloody, bloody hell. I wanted to, if we ever go overseas, we'll stop we into the, like, the village. We'll yeah. get stoned. Yeah. The, the, like, the bloody. There, they all get them. They're the podcast lads. What are you? What are you what Tie them to Nessie. What is this? Like, like, uh. Should drag them under. It's sort of like when South Park had Phil Collins. How, how do they talk? <laughs> He talked like a Cockney guy. Oh, this is Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Greg McNeil says, I want to give you guys some kudos on a great podcast. He stumbled upon it while searching iTunes and the Google. The Google. It's refreshing to hear regular Joe, Joe's talk film. You don't get much more regular than us, Joe's. No. I'm an avid photographer and filmmaker living on the Isle of Butte. On the west coast of Scotland. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Mm. You been? Uh, no, but there's a, a wonderful large format photographer in uh, the British Isles called Joe Cornish is his name. And he's published some books about the, the rocky coastlines of Scotland and, uh, and England. And I've seen the books, and, and it's a beautiful place. Mm, cool. He's, he, uh, Greg goes on to say that um, if you guys ever, ever find yourself in Scotland... Come by and we'll shoot some film. Oh, nice. There's also a pub here on the island that has yeah. over 300 kinds of single oh, malt scotch. 300? We gotta, we gotta go. <laughs> Bloody hell. We gotta go, mate. That'd be cool. Some trip, oh, wouldn't it? God, it would be wasted the whole time. What I'm gonna do is start making, I'm gonna make an Excel database of all of our listeners that write mm-hmm. in with a list of where they're from so that if we ever go anywhere, we could just. So if I actually win the lottery, I go on a world tour. And, and each month we'll broadcast from a different I'm going to ask the, whoever the holding company of Polaroid to sponsor us a world tour for us. World tour. Ron Morey from Torrance, California says, The show is still sounding great. Since we all love old cameras, I wanted to let you know and your listeners know that the really nice reseal kits are available on eBay and are sold by a guy named John Goodman. What are reseal Not the kit? actor. Not what the, are reseal kits? What's a reseal kit? Uh, his, wait, historic? His store is called Interslice and has kits, and his directions are extremely thoughtful and helpful. Using his kit, I have sealed an old Minolta rangefinder by myself to be as light, tight as new. Oh, it's a great sense. It's a great sense of accomplishment. I think this those rubbery sort of black seals they degrade after a while. Yeah, and you start getting light leaks. Hey, thanks, Ron. John Goodman is the seller, not the actor, on eBay. For a reseal kit. 
Um, this is a gentleman, William T. Grace the Third. Who could do a Mr. Howell voice? Love it. Can you do William T. Grace the Third? William T. Grace the Third. That was good. William T. Grace the Third. William says, T. Grace the Third says uh, CD. Rock on with the CD. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Oh, if possible, I'm going to bring in the second member of Pink Delicates, and we're going to do an impromptu second show mm-hmm. of playing some live music. Cool. I, it's not. We're trying. You guys do any metal? <laughs> no. no. You don't not, cover rat? We're not that cool. I can't do a rat oh, song? We could probably do a cover a rat for sure. Oh, get you to sing something? Absolutely, yeah. dude. Yeah, we'll get together. Round we can and do round. That. <laughs> what goes do. around, goes around. Oh, my God. I look forward to that. Oh, we guess you play out and have uh, Dwayne sing. I used to do that in the 80s. Did you really? You were a singer of a, uh, a, a band? Did you have long hair and everything? I bring you some stuff. Stuff your pants? What, uh, stuff my pants with a lobster. Oh, very good. What has he got? Two bulges. Our good uh, friend. One's moving. <laughs> our good friend Jason Mooseprat. He's from Queensland, Australia. Jason has been sort of a listener from the beginning. Yeah, he's. Uh, yes, and also he's has, the track man of the podcast. That could be, and he also has a YouTube video showing you how to oh. put 35 millimeter film in a 126 cartridge. Oh, it's amazing. Which I watched early on, and really. I felt I could do it after watching your video, Jason. So Jason gives us some information on Minolta. By the way, today we're giving away the Minolta X700 camera mm. and the Yashica. Yashica! Hey, <laughs> is it a Yashica Matt? Yashica A. Yashica oh, A! Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, we're giving away some cameras, and this is nice. We're going to give away we're going to give away the Minolta right now, but uh, Jason says, here's some info on Minolta. Minolta merged with Konica in 2004 to become Konica Minolta, and the following year announced their partnership with Sony to produce digital cameras. In 2006, Konica Minolta discontinued all cameras and transferred their digital photography assets to Sony for for further development. This is why new Sony digital cameras, the Alpha series, uses Minolta AF mount. Hmm. Oh, I was wondering why that was the case. I love my Minolta manual focus gear. Those Rokor lenses are amazing. Dwayne, when you showed me your camera, which is what, a Nikon Digital? Yes. You showed me that you could take a, a, a manual film photography lens and just snap it on. In fact, two days ago, I was at a park in central New Jersey, and I had a Nikon D70, and I had an old school 1970s era 135 millimeter manual focus lens, and I was just shooting some close-ups, and they were as crisp as anything you could imagine. So sure, wow. can be done. I was shocked. Hold that thought. Super positive. Uh, we had two listeners send in cameras for us to give away in June. First gentleman is Alex. Uh, see, I don't want to murder people's names. It's bad enough I'm murdering the masters. Is this European name? Where's this? Uh, Canada. Lloychek? Uh, oh, L-U-Y-C-K-X? Loizix, I guess. Loizix? I would say Loychik. Okay, Loychik. Alex Loychik. Alex. We'll call you Alex. Al for short. <laughs> now, uh, Alex donated two cameras contained within our two wonderful communist cameras for you to give away <laughs> to some of your listeners. The great communist camera giveaway. <laughs> the first one is the Lomo Lubatel 2 made in the USSR in the 1970s. Lomo. Very good uh, camera. Very good camera. Very good. Not on a Monday or Friday, though. Too much vodka. No. 
you know, everything very fuzzy. So this uh, Lubatel 2, according to the Camerapedia, has a brilliant finder, which, as you know, the Lubatel 166U, I mean, you know, we were having some problems with that, Dwayne. Oh, yeah. That's the camera that I own, the Lubatel 166U. Definite focus but issues. Apparently, the Lubatel 2, which, by the way, has a Nikon D300 strap on it, <laughs> the Lubatel 2 uh, apparently is a much better model than the 166U. Um, it's a good-looking camera. Yeah, it's a really good-looking camera. How do you focus this thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's all metal. It's a tank. Completely mechanical. Has no light meter, which didn't stop me from using it. It's also the camera that introduced me to the wonders of medium format photography. Well, Alex, it's very cool for you to donate your Lubatel 2. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are going... This Lubatel 2 is available for our giveaway, John. The June giveaway will be one of the cameras, one of three, the Lubatel 2. You need to send an email to filmphotographypodcast at gmail... You want to give that to Dwayne before you break it? Hold on, I can figure <laughs> it. at gmail.com. In your heading, please put Lubatel 2. And if you could tell us a little bit about you... That yeah. I mean, a little paragraph. Like this why, way, if why you, do you want this? Camera? Yeah, because then when we pull the drawing, it's not just a name and an address. Right. We want to know who you are, and why would you like Lubatel too? How is this going to fit into your life? <laughs> the second camera from Alex. <laughs> when I when I held this camera, I was like amazed. It's a paperweight. This pa- is the pass that over. Practica Super TL made in the USSR. This is a, this is oh my god, it's huge. This is a huge 35-millimeter camera. And, um, well, no, no, I'm sorry. It's not Russian. According to Alex, it's an SLR made in the German Democratic Republic, better known as East Germany. I guess, okay, well, it is. Okay, it is Russian. <laughs> Complete with a lens. There is a light meter, but since there's no battery, I'm not sure if it works or not. The neat part about the lens is that you have to close the aperture manually after you set it. As I'm looking through the camera now, you can actually turn the aperture and see it get darker and lighter. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a manual, mechanical tank. So, if you, if, you, if, you search, if you search Sunny 16 on the Google, you'll see a whole scale of if you want to shoot without a light meter. Which, by the way, lately I've been bringing cameras out. I was out shooting around the building... Take a little break. Uh, Joe Kolbeck was editing. We went outside. I just took a camera. No light meter. And Joe Kolbeck was amazed. He's like, I can't believe you can do this. And I said to him, one year ago, I could not. Really, I had no clue or the confidence to go out and shoot without a meter. Listen to this thing. Oh, you got to listen to the rewind, too. That's a beautiful piece of work there. spinning inside? It's a really beautiful camera. The What is it called? The Practica... Super TL. Film Photography Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email in the heading. Put Practica <coughs> Super TL. P R A K T I C A. Super TL. It's a, 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 an amazing 35 millimeter camera. We don't know if the light meter works. It might. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. The third camera was sent by Urban Hafner, and he's in Heidelberg, Germany. Wow. And he sent us a Mamiya 135 rangefinder camera. Mm. Look at that thing. Delicious. Yes. Ditto. There is a compartment for a battery for a light meter, and uh, we're not sure if it works. And I believe that he was shooting without the light meter. Is that true, Urban? I don't know. But the camera is com- completely functional without 
a light meter. What's going on there? Oh, he had a Hoya filter on the cover of it, and in order to access the little lever to change the film speed, you oh, had to I take see. off the, uh, well, the filter. They put it right on the Now, rangefinders are kind of nice, because if you look through the eyepiece, there's like a prism that lines up as you focus. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's helpful. Have you ever had, shot a rangefinder, one of these? Mm-hmm. No. This is a nice little camera that would fit perfectly in your handbag or your backpack. <laughs> Ladies, take note. Is this 35 millimeter? Yes, it is. Really? When you're done? And I can't tell you how awesome it is to have these two gentlemen, to have these guys send us these cameras to give away to you, our podcast listener. So once again, the recap. The cameras for June. The Lubatel 2. 120 film camera medium format. The Practica Super TL 35 millimeter tank. And the cute... Mamiya 135. It's cute. Rangefinder camera. Thank you, Urban. Thank you, Alex. Awesome. Alex, by the way, is at Alex, A L E X L U Y C K X dot com. P.S. I hope you enjoy the irony of the strap on the Lubatel 2. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a, it's Ni- a digital strap. It's a Nikon D, D3 300 strap. Great, thanks. It's time now to give away the Minolta X700. Oh, great. John, since you are our Minolta man, I'm going to have you pull it out. All right, great. I'm all goose pimply. Make somebody happy with this camera. This is a nice little camera. Yeah. Get a good one. That's it. Okay. Dwayne, you want to do the honors? I would love to. And the winner is... And the winner is... Ryan Laytham, greetings from Ireland. I am, st- I am, st- <laughs> I am stoked to hear you're sending me a roll of Kodachrome. Your generosity amazes me. I thought I'd let you know that I've been really getting into my film photography due to your podcast, amongst other things. So much so that today my great aunt, who is 79 years old, picked up on my enthusiasm and gave me an old camera that she owned. Mm. The camera turned out to be an Agfa Isolette. One folder camera, which takes 120 film. Unbelievable. So thanks for your great podcasts, the Kodachrome and my new Agfa Isolette. P.S. Can I be entered into the draw for the Ashika A and the Minolta? Those cameras are delicious. Cheers, Ryan. Well, congratulations. Hey, Ryan, you won, babe. You won. Wow. Right. You won, babe. Based upon our draws, I, like, I, I tend to think that our audience is outside... <laughs> Outside the United States. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that listens in the States here. So Maybe film is dead at I think I should States. get my passport. What do you think, Dwayne? Yeah, you're going to have to. Really, get your papers in order. Yeah. Okay, well, that's awesome. That's good. Well, see, you know what? That really puts a face behind the giveaway, and it makes it all that much more special. Yes. You know, way to go, Ryan. Quickly, Nathan Sorensen says, I want to thank your show for inspiration and the informational training. Uh, I just want to thank your show for the inspiration. One question I have for you guys is, what's the difference between Kodachrome and Ektachrome? Dwayne? Kodachrome is a proprietary process that Kodak invented, and you needed to send the film to to Kodak to get it processed. And Ektachrome is just E6 processing, which any lab could do. They were in court, too, over that, Kodak. Kodak was probably in court quite a bit. There were different things that had to to do with the film itself, like color bias and, and grain structure and sharpness. Mm. Uh, 
basically uh, Kodachrome was the far superior film in terms of uh, just overall color saturation. It was much, much sharper than Ektachrome and uh, finer grained. But then again, if you wanted to get film processed in two hours, you chose Ektachrome. But now Ektachrome is still being made in its wonderful style. It is wonderful. Yeah, it it's is very, wonderful. very good. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I've been shooting mostly Kodachrome only because this is the last year. But I've snuck, I've snuck a few rolls of Fuji Vel, Velvia. Again, it's a, that's a, another wonderful it's, film. It's amazing. Super high contrast, though. So... I mean, the contrast range of that film is like four stops. But that give, it makes for an amazing image. It's wonderful if you shoot it, you know, even lighting in the studio with strobes. I mean, it comes out wonderful. Warren Yee from Boston, Massachusetts says, Your show has been a great supercharger for my photography enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it coming. All right. That's great because I can't tell you how excited I am about film unless you had a little snapshot of all these crazy cameras. You should have, have taken a picture of, with the impossible camera of all that stuff to post. Yes, I should. Mickey Hoyle from Bergen Meester, Hagerstraat, wow. Amsterdam, Netherlands. Maybe wow. he knows the big three. He probably lives down the street from him. <laughs> hey, I'm a Dutch guy living in Amsterdam. I'm a Go Dutch. Figure. I'm a Dutch history major, and photography must be the biggest thing in my life right now. All right. Good for you. Hey, man, hey, that's how I feel. That's your uh, your doppelganger in uh, Amsterdam. Exactly. I don't know how I found your podcast, but it must have been through a pug or a discussion on the Mamiya. RB67 pool and flicker. Oh, I love Mamiya RBs. I don't RZ, though. I was going to say, uh, I use this as a prompt, Mickey from Amsterdam. If you're a listener out there, and really, if you enjoy what we do, please spread the word about Film Photography Podcast. Please tell people that we exist. Mm-hmm. Dieter, our friend Dieter, telling us about a new lab, Richard Photo Lab. We're listening to another podcast called Inside Analog Photography. The RichardPhotoLab.com. I went there. And my thought was that if you're an event photographer shooting film or digital, that this is the place for you. Because richardphotolab.com, they offer these great packages. Mm-hmm. So you'd be able to take your negs and give it to them or your digital images. And they would put the package together so you can, you know, help your customer, your I guess your wedding or uh, event photography customer, to get a nice photo package. Hmm. All online. Yep. Jay from Singapore says... I'd like to recommend a book. Book of the month. Book, book of, the, of month. the month. Book of the month. He says, he recommends Kevin Meredith's, a.k.a. Lomo Kev. He recommends Hot Shots, Tips and Tricks for Taking Better Pictures, mm-hmm. which I looked up, and it's $11.53 U.S. on Amazon.com. It's not exactly a Lomo tutorial, but more of a basic tips and trick booklet. It's very handy, and it's definitely full of information. Well, thank you very much, Jay. And Good I thought piece maybe of info. we could segue into uh, Dwayne Polk's Book of the Month. Book of the Month. My Book of the Month is John Sexton's Listen to the Trees. Listen to the band. Listen to the trees. Who sings Listen to the band? Michael Nesmith. Oh, geez. Really? Yeah, if you think that I used to talk... I don't remember if I did it on the Film Photography Podcast. Did I go off the deep end about Scott Walker on the Film oh, Photography Podcast? Again. Or just to hit him again? Now it's Michael Nesmith. Brilliant solo career. Great. He okay. is, the car, of course, the cap-wearing monkey in the group. Famously as the guy whose mother invented whiteout. Liquid paper. Oh, whatever. Please. Oh, whiteout! 
Dwayne, what's the book of the month? Tell us about uh, Listen to the Trees. I love the West Coast School of Large Format Black and White Photography, of which Ansel Adams is probably the most famous and the most popular. And for several years before Ansel Adams' passing, John Sexton, a photographer from Carmel Valley, California, was Ansel Adams' assistant. And I got to know John by going to the... um, Photo East trade shows in New York City, and he used to uh, plant himself at the Light Impressions booth, and he used to sign posters and sign prints, and he's published four books, and this is his second book, and I love nature and I love forests, and what John did over several years is travel to some of the more beautiful places in North America with his 4x5 Leinhoff Master Technica camera, and uh, photographed some beautiful pictures of trees and forests in uh, in Colorado and in Utah and uh, some places in the east, but mostly in the west, particularly California, Yosemite National Park, places like that. And the name of the book is called Listen to the Trees, and it's a collection. It's what you would call a monograph. It isn't a how-to book. It's primarily just pretty pictures that he's assembled of his portfolio of images of trees taken in black and white. And it's one of my probably 20 favorite books of all time. And one of the reasons why I like it is in the back, he explains the different... Uh, development times he's used to get the print tonalities and he has different developer and different printing techniques that he uh, has employed to get the look that he has and he describes it has a list of the different focal lengths of lenses and the different types of film that he's used and it's very very thorough so it isn't just a book of oh gee these are pretty pictures he also goes into uh, no small amount of detail describing how he did what he did so uh, i mean it's the kind of book that i like you look at it and go oh gee this is what in case i wanted to try to duplicate a technique or something he explains how he did it it's no longer published but i see it on ebay all the time and it was pretty expensive it was like probably 50 bucks but uh on ebay on ebay yeah is the photographer still alive oh yeah he's uh he's in my age he's probably like 50 51 52 years old he lives in carmel valley california and if you go to johnsexton.com j-o-h-n-s-e-x-t-o-n he has a website and he doesn't feature too many pictures on his website but he has a wonderful offering of a photography web of uh workshops that he does every single year he's doing them now with charles kramer who's a really great large format color photographer as well and uh so if you ever want to see what i mean as good as large format black and white photography gets give this uh book a look and uh tell him that you heard about him on the film photography podcast yes if you if you email john sexton or if you attend his workshop say hey i heard about your workshop and your book on the Film Photography Podcast. And he also uh, published a book called Places of Power. It's really, really beautiful. It's images of uh, Anasazi uh, ruins in the southwest of the United States, power plants, the space shuttle. Uh, it's really beautiful. And he just his last book was called Recollections, which was out, I think, a couple of years ago. I don't know what he's working on now. But uh, give it a look. Outstanding, beautiful stuff. And that's the Book, book of the Month. month. 
Also, if you go on the web to PDN Legends Online, <laughs> Photo District News, PDN Legends Online, John gives an interview. Mm. Uh, and also, if you go to YouTube and enter John Sexton, you'll see uh, some interviews with him. Oh, there's a tour of his darkroom, too. It's really, really cool. On YouTube? I, I believe it's on YouTube, yeah, or on Legends Online. And, and you know, it's you can see his enlarger and all the different chemicals that he uses, all the different types of paper that he uses. And it's amazing, you know, to see uh, behind the curtain yeah, of a master. The, yeah, definitely, definitely. I figured out what to do when the when the Pink Delicates come on What's the that? Film Photography Podcast because I talked to you about this. I was going to write down lyrics. Essentially, we're forming a band. I was going to write lyrics down for the for the Pink Delicates to record mm-hmm. songs with such as K14, K14, <laughs> C41, C41, E6, E6, Possible Project, Possible Project. The Possible Project could be like a like an ELP. Possible. No, it should be like a sprawling. No, one that like like a like something like in the court of the in the court of the Crimson King, like something grand, a grand story about. These three gentlemen. These three guys from Austria. You are obsessed with Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. But I wasn't, right? No, I mean, you weren't. I wasn't at I all. I don't get it. It's, everyone has their thing, Dwayne. It's sort of like if I get... Okay, Mike Nesmith, right? I said one day recently, I'm like, you know, Mike Nesmith, he's my favorite monkey. I went and bought the album. One album. One album. Was yeah. he the director who just turned it into five? Who yes. did Repo Man? Did he do Repo? Who did Repo? No, he, he produced well, his company it. Company produced, he produced it. Produced yeah. it. Alex Cox. He is an amazing him. contributor to independent cinema. Mm-hmm. Michael Nesmith. Do you know that he somewhat invented MTV? He's the only monkey that wouldn't get get, get back together. He yeah. did get back together. Well, in that's the one 90s. reason to like him. Yeah. <laughs> he brought the idea to Warner Brothers to launch MTV. They bought his concept, offered him to be president of the company. And he declined. So I think Bob is it Bob Pitts? I don't know. Bob Pitts. Pitts. There you go. Can you can you Google? The Google. President of MTV, 1981. Uh... <laughs> I get letters about things that I know about, but forget to write down and talk about on the show, because there are incredible people out there, like Option Eight, who I spoke about, who's taking and refurbishing Polaroid pack cameras. And then reselling them at a fair price. Hey, by the way, thanks for bringing that book, Dwayne. Robert W. Oh, Pittman. Welcome. Bob Pittman. Well, yeah, I guess if you know him as well as Bob you do, Pitts. you can call him Bob Pitt. <laughs> but it's Robert. So Bob Pittman became the first president of MTV. It could have been Michael Nesmith. I got a letter from Andrew Kuglis from Carson, California, to tell me about what Mike Butkus is doing. Mike Butkus has a website called OrphanCameras.com, but his main site is www.butkus.org. And this gentleman, who I communicated to via email, if you purchase a camera like I did, I'm going to grab one from the pile here. By the way, this is a, a purchase that I've used heavily in the last two, three months. It's the Kodak Brownie Bullseye camera. It was introduced in 1954. It produces an amazing 6x9 negative or transparency. Mm. It's really awesome. My only gripe with the camera is I am still searching for focus. It has 150th a second shutter speed, and it takes 620 films. Oh, it has a fixed f-stop of f11. So when I purchased the camera, I did not have the manual. And what I found was that butkus.org has a huge downloadable section of cam- vintage camera manuals. Wow. 
and they are absolutely free. Mm. And all Michael Budkiss is asking is if if you're gonna, you know, if you ever go to Scotland, Mike just wants a place to stay. <laughs> all Michael Budkiss <laughs> says is, you know, please, can you leave a two, three dollar donation via PayPal for the manual? And um, I left a much larger donation because I totally appreciate. Mm-hmm. Since I picked up this camera and many other Kodak brownies and uh, an Anscope camera and a, a brownie twin twenty, Budkiss.org has all these camera manuals as PDFs. Wow, that's great! That's no, amazing. it's really I'm looking around because I'm, I'm wanting to see if the guys guys are really amazed, amazed amazing. as I am. It's great. <laughs> I mean, where did he acquire all these? Where did he find them? Well, he's doing it as the kindness know, people, of his heart. Well, people have weird obsessions. You with Polaroid and uh, Mr. Buckus. Well, Mr. Buckus is doing a great service to Absolutely. the camera community, and I really want to thank him. I was I was shattered to read that people are stealing his manuals and selling them on competitor on like they're starting their own site yeah. and selling a fixed price of like twelve fifteen dollars. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's you know people suck. But for every guy like Mike, you know, I think there's many more people that are good. Well, that's what than... we're trying to flesh out with this podcast. People that are cool like Mike. Those exactly. other people can go below. I'm cool, but he's not talking about me. <laughs> You're cool? Who says? <laughs> Your mom. Got me. Ouch. <laughs> Set yourself up. Um, I've, been, go, I've been off my game for years now. You have. You have. Oh, You're God. back now. Yeah. Mike, Michael Butkus, uh, Butkus.org. If you need a camera manual for a vintage camera, there's a good chance that Michael has it on his site. And don't pilfer. Yeah, don't pilfer. I mean, if you really don't have the money, then download it and enjoy it. But if you have a PayPal account, you can send Mike a few bucks. Yeah, what's two, three bucks? Think of the time to, to get a manual. He has to scan it. He has to upload it. This stuff takes time. Same thing with Impossible. I mean... If you go on, I won't drone on, I promise. If you go on the impossible thread on Flickr, they are getting, there are so many flare-ups, people fighting. It's very, what's it, disheartening to see people flaring about, complaining about the stock, about Impossible's film, that, you know, if it wasn't perfected, why'd you release it, yada, yada. It's like, as you said last podcast, Dwayne, do you know what it takes? Just to have gotten that far? Just to make this film the time and energy and money, and for what? Because of a love of mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yeah. It's like you got to give kudos to people yeah. who are trying to improve improve the photography community by putting manuals online. Putting their heart and soul By making it. a film for a camera where you can't buy any more film for it. Yeah. Are you crazy? Yeah, they only <laughs> invested millions and millions of dollars so you, you can... Diss them. Diss, uh, diss them about the edges of the back. They probably had a meeting and said, you know what? Let's get together and put all our heart and soul and time and energy and money into this just so people can complain. There's a guy on, on uh, Flickr.com raving about how you know they're, that Impossible is a monopoly. Huh. And it's like, dude. Raving. I go, raving I, I go on there and I get a, I'm a little dis- concerned because you know... You know, I don't want to be like a you know hippy dippy. Oh man, peace, love, amen. Hey, but it's like, come on, cut it out. Yeah. Mike, most people in this world react with emotion instead of knowledge. You know that, so you know it's like, oh, I'm thinking this for this moment, so that must be what it is. Well, and then they'll all freak out. It's like go you know, to the digital forums to 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 you know flame on. 
Well, hey, Mike Butkus, thank you very much. Yeah. He goes in the uh, in the podcast Hall of Fame, I think. We should get a Hall of Fame. Christine no? Kendora Hickey from Holly Springs, North Carolina says, yeah. I love your show because it's not technical, yet highly informative. It's like meeting few friends for coffee and chatting about creative ventures. Oh, nice. That's it awful nice. nice. I never thought of it that way, but... Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, Christine. Christine, you're right, 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 Christine, Sixteen. I heard that song on the radio. Isn't it ama- amazing that in the 1970s, the band Kiss would s- sing about underage women? There were yeah. so many of them. There was the one uh, with... Uh, Alice uh, Cooper? No. No. You're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr. Yeah. Ringo Starr, nonetheless. Yeah. I'm sure he has his share of underage women. I would like to say that I would like I would like to ask you guys. We're really moving at a nice pace today. You think so? <laughs> I think so. It's been two hours. <laughs> no, it's been an hour twenty. And, uh, oh my! Here's a letter from Steve Hankins from Signal Mountain, Tennessee. We're getting a lot of U.S. letters today. Yeah, there you go. Southern people, though. North Carolina, Georgia. Yes. Tennessee. Yes. Yes. By the way, I was on Route 35 uh, <laughs> in New Jersey. Pa- in New Jersey, passing a a bar and the name of the band was Dirty South. No kidding. I kid you not. There you go. There's the Dirty South. They must have been from the Dirty South. Well, I have to tell you that Steve says, Steve, for a while it seemed that every photographer I talked to or read talked about photos being tack sharp. Constantly hearing tack sharp. Tack sharp. Being a nature photographer occurred to me that there is almost nothing in nature that is tack Sharp. Flowers are soft and delicate. Skin is smooth. Leaves are curved. Maybe a truly realistic photo isn't tack sharp. I'm always looking for tack sharp. And I understand I've had a a long, hard road accepting the fact that not every photo is going to be tack sharp. And it's okay. In fact, if you go to a forum like the large format uh, forum, the LFinfo.com, there's a whole bunch of people there that just dedicate themselves to taking pictures with lenses like Verito. Or this, these lenses that are intentionally soft focus, they intentionally have coma and distortion mm-hmm. in them because they, they like the way that looks. I love sharp lenses. I mean, you know, I'm a freak. I like Ansel Adams. I like those really, really sharp uh, yeah, lenses. But you can't appreciate the flip side when you see. Oh, of course Sometimes I can. you take a picture oh, yeah. and it's a little, or the focus isn't where you'd like it to be. You're like, oh, wait, that's actually kind of nice. Well, if there's more meaning to the photo for you or for to uh, someone looking at Plus it. Plus, the course. photographic industry goes through phases where they, they pick something. Where this is going to be the selling point, and we try to outdo each other, and for a long period of time, like lens baby, lens sharpness was the thing everybody talked about. Oh no, man, you got to get this lens because it's sharper than that one. And then for a while, it was megapixels. Oh no, this mm. camera has more megapixels. You know, it's 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 used as a as a marketing tool. So you know, people get in their mind. Oh man, you know, sharpness is where it's at. And it it isn't necessarily if you don't want it to be. Well, and I agree with what he says. The world is not tack sharp. No, it's not. And I'm learning to be okay with. A little soft. And right now, I'm in a phase of, I wouldn't call these toy cameras, but maybe you would. I mean, these were cameras that our grandparents used. They're consumer cameras. These are consumer Kodak cameras, mostly using the Brownie brand name. And they do not produce a sharp image. Because the lenses are very, very, um, they're just low end, you know. They're, they're mass marketed. They're not, the quality, can, they don't test each and every lens. The biggest secret, I'm telling the biggest secret. I'm, I'm, I'm revealing something. <gasps> These essentially are your Holgas, and yep. these cameras are $5 on eBay. Mm. Your Holga is no less than $50, and these vintage cameras are producing the same soft, dark-edged, Holga-esque image. Maybe it's a status. Oh, you have to wind it to get to the next. Mm. 
Probably. In order, in order to, um, yeah. Yeah, I think Holga, yes. Holga sounds a lot better than Brownie. Well, the Kodak Brownie's a classic, but I don't think it's particularly chic right now. That's why, is that why you're buying them all up? <laughs> so you can corner them all. Well, my, my feeling about I, – I have been obsessive about buying these brownie cameras from the 1950s. But my, Because my feeling is this, that right now they're readily available, but there's only so many of these. And just like if you go to Salvation Army right now to buy clothes from the 70s, you can't because it's done. Mm-hmm. I feel that older people are dying. <laughs> True, and these are being, true. you know, shipped to uh, Salvation Armies and all sorts of uh, thrift stores and to eBay. So your goal is to buy all seven hundred ten thousand of them. <laughs> well, there's millions of these were produced. Yeah, wait but for all these people. Don't to you die. think that in five six years the maybe the qu- qu- quantity will wane? Is it possible? You never know. I don't know. You don't know. No, the pool will always be churning. You know, it depends on what the popularity of the item is. Andy Prickett from South Elgin, Illinois. He says. I'm reading a portion of his letter. I found an old Kodak Duoflex 3 Twin Lens Reflex 620 film in my in-laws' garage. I haven't used it because I have, I have to re-spool because I have to re-spool the 120 onto 620 spools. Let me tell you something. Mm. If you buy a camera like the uh, Brownie Bullseye camera, which produces a beautiful 6x9, uh, 6x9 negative or transparency, you will need 620 film. And you can go to B&H and buy it, but they're charging $12.99. And all they're doing is respooling 120 film onto a 620 core. There's a guy that just sits in, in a room. <laughs> Boy, bastard. You can do it yourself, and what you need to do is go to B&H or go to um, Adorama. Is that what they're called? Adorama, yeah. Yeah, and you can they buy... They kicked me out of there once. Oh, <laughs> why? why? Well, it's a true story. I want to hear this? Yeah. Um, they're, my, super, they're a superstore in New York, right? A superstore. They're one of the big players, yeah. Okay, go ahead. My father had a twin lens reflex Roloflex. And it, and it broke, and I wanted to sell it. So I went into Adorama. This has got to be like 15, 20 years ago. And I tried to sell it to them, and the guy was like, uh, as you could see, the advance is broken, and uh, these things uh, – you know, he gave me this ridiculously low price for it. And uh, he said no, and the guy next to me, a customer, said, I'll give you such and such for it. And I was like, let's go outside on the sidewalk and talk. Mm-hmm. I went outside. The guy bought it from me. I came walking back in the store to buy some merchandise, and they refused to sell me anything uh. because I guess I undermined mm-hmm. their attempt to rip to, you off. To rip me off. So, in essence, I was banned from the store, and I never went back. Well, who needs them? I think that was wrong of them. I thought the story was going to be a lot higher octane than that, actually, Dwayne. I, I thought you were going to be breaking store cases. And... No, what did you be like? Go all like you know Steven Seagal on them or what? Right. Uh, you can go to Adorama, you go to eBay, you can get a film changing bag for about fifteen dollars. It's a, a an investment well spent, and you could roll your own uh, one twenty film to six twenty. Yeah, need a, man, you... roll your own. Yeah, you, you roll, it's very very simple. There are tutorials on eBay. I'm sorry, on eBay. There are tutorials on YouTube. And I never thought I'd be able to do it, and now I'm doing it like I could do it. This is kind of funny. I could do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> That's a good one. You get it? You get yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark get room? It. You get yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I got a letter uh, from a, a woman named Robin, and she's from Redding, California. I like the name Robin. I do, too. A rockin' Robin. And um, she was... We're so freaking uh, retarded. We retarded via... We, we kind of retarded. We communicated via Flickr mail. And she had a 620 camera, and I and she's like talking. We're talking about the correspondence back and forth. We're about rolling your own film, and I just sent her a roll of 620, and then she responded. 
talking about another camera she had, which is called a Brownie Starfish camera, which uses 127 film. Are you familiar with 127 film? Yes, I am. What do you know about 127 film? My aunt um, gave me a camera when I was a kid. And it was one of those old, old Kodak folders with the bellows on it, you know? Right. And I believe it took 127 film. This takes 127 film. Really? So very. I have a Brownie Holiday Flash camera, and um, it's a really cute camera. Really cute. I went into a Japanese restaurant last week with that camera, Izumi. <laughs> you out <laughs> <laughs> and the staff marveled at it yeah they brought the chef out did they really? really yeah that's crazy they marveled at it well it is a very unique looking camera it looks like a toy yeah it really does well i think that the thing is i have it's all these cameras cool here camera. i have the clack i have the bullseye i have the twin 20 i have this cool one that. no way i mean these Dwayne, would you say these are toy cameras they were not toys when they were released for consumer usage they were considered you know mass market consumer cameras to take your snapshots and your photos with now they kind of look like toys they look like something other than what you would normally see they're made of plastic bake light material Mm -hmm. very hard plastic bakelite bakelite and um you can buy this particular camera what's it called holiday flash takes 127 field 127 film you can buy 127 film at the Frugal Photographer online. And there is a company in North America that makes the film. And the film is called Blue, Blue Fire Murano 160. It's a daylight color film. And it, what it is is cut down, repackaged Kodak Portra 160. Really? Yes. They must have the, a machine to cut it. And when they cut it, they have to put the paper backing on it. Oh, wow. So they must be printing the paper backing. Right. And then repackaging this. Unbelievable amount of work for a very small market. Yes, $7.29 per roll. Wow. And, of course, our good friends over at the Freestyle. You know what? I don't know. I take that back. Frugal Photographer also sells FK black and white 127 film. FK is a great black and white film, by the way. I've not tried it, but I've heard so many good things about it, and I've seen some prints that were printed from it, and it looks, uh, looks wonderful. And you can... Process 127 film at bluemooncamera.com. They're in Oregon or Dwayne's. Now, I sent my 127 film to Blue Moon because Dwayne's will not process only. They will only process with prints. I don't want the prints. Because yeah. that's their workflow. You know, that's like, no, absolutely. But it's their bread and butter. I wanted just eggs, and Blue Moon was able to accommodate me at a very reasonable price. Uh, they process Blue Moon 110. 35 millimeter, 120, 620, 126, and 127. C41. Black and white and color C41. So I guess Dwayne's is still going to be in business after the uh, Kodachrome. Oh, oh yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne's processes everything. Oh. C41. Everything. E6. E6. All of it. All of it. 127, 128, whatever you got. I want to tell you guys about lightleaks.org. Maybe you can go there with your computer. Sure. Um... This is from Christine Candora Hickey. And Christine says, well, she says she loves the podcasts, which is great. She says, I noticed some uneasiness when diving into the toy camera lo-fi realm. I wanted to pass along a name that might help you understand the whole segment of film photography better, as well as maybe use it for an interview. 
check out Michael Barnes over at lightleaks.org. It's a print magazine by Michael and his wife. They also have an online store, run a forum at toycamera.com, and organize Hogapalooza. Hoga Palooza. 2010. I think a lot of people are rediscovering film via the toy camera community. I know I did. Talking with Mike might be of interest to your listeners who found film photography the same way. Well, I, I totally agree. I have not dived into the world of Holga or Diana yet, but I'm I'm kind of doing the same thing with these 1950s plastic cameras from Kodak and from Ansco and from Agfa Agfa Clack. They, they put out a similar image. They're a lot cheaper, but I also acknowledge the whole Holga movement. There it is. Holga Palooza. Can you tell me? 2010. Can you tell us something about that? Well, the, the poster doesn't tell much. It says there's going to be judges. And there's look, apparently there's three categories. Creatures, the judges Meg Birnbaum. Roadside attractions, the judges Ted Orland. And nudes, the Ted judge. Ted Orland? Ted Orland. You know him? Ted or- we were talking earlier about John Sexton being mm-hmm. Ansel Adams' assistant. Ted Orland, I believe, was Ansel Adams' assistant after John left. So he is also of the West Coast School of uh, Photography. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a photo of his up there <clears throat> if you click on the poster for the Holga Palooza. And the third category is nudes, to be judged by Francisco Matarosas. Ooh. Ooh la la. Mm. What would Bob well, Hope used to say? Cash and prizes galore. John, what Bob Hope you would Bob Hope what we say about that? Bob Hope you would Bob Hope what we say about that? John, what Bob Hope you would Bob Hope what we say about that? What would Bob Hope say about that? Bob Hope. I gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> hey Bob Hope, what do you feel about judging the nudes? Oh, the nudes. Well, let me tell you about the nudes. <laughs> Lightleaks.org. You know, I was fascinated that. First of all, I'm thrilled when anyone's doing a print publication. I mean, that's got to be hard to do these oh, days. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the well, expense. It's all online, right? Or no? Because they have... Yes. Um, no, they, they print, print a print magazine. Well, the current issue is available online. When I used to produce Alternative Cinema Magazine... Oh, preview of the issue. Sorry. It used to cost $10,000 to do a print run. It's insane. And you probably aren't guaranteed of making that money back. No. The, the distributors were brutal in paying us, which led to the downfall of the magazine. Because a, a distributor refused to pay us. I give, a, I mean, kudos to you guys, lightleaks.org, for producing a print magazine. Bravo. Bravo. As a matter of fact, I'm going to subscribe because I really want to support that. And the name of the magazine again is? John, what's the name of the magazine? The <laughs> Light Leaks. Oh, really? Yes, it's called Light Leaks. It's about toy cameras. Yeah. Magazine home. Yeah, it um, looks very interesting. I'm quiet because I'm cruising the sights. So. It's an amazingly interesting concept of getting an old plastic camera like the Clack and buying one that has light leaks. It's sort of like almost like anti-photography. Is the intent to actually utilize these light leaks and the uh, the things they create on the film as part of the creative process? Well, or? it creates an effect. Yeah. That's why, you know, dare I say, you know, that uh, Impossible Polaroid is, you know, lomography of Polaroid products. Their film produces un- unpredictable results. And that's what I was just going to say, and that's why it's kind of fun that so many people are gravitating towards us. With digital photography, the selling point is you can see exactly what you've got. And some people don't want that. Right. They just want to, you know, have fun and let, let, let a certain amount of uh, haphazardness enter into the process. It creates a lot of fun. It really does. 
you don't know what you're going to get. And you can buy a lot, all, all the back issues. Well, not all of them, but a large amount of them. I want to yeah, talk about stand me. development for like three minutes. What, what, tell me. Someone emailed. Stan, like Stan? Stand. Oh, okay, go ahead. Someone emailed and they and they wanted they said we should uh, you sent me this email from this person I forget their name and they wanted to know about different film development techniques and touched upon different film development topics and one of them was you know talk about stand development um, and I just wanted to explain what that was well, for please, people who wanted to know please do because I don't know what it is please do tell us well sometimes when you shoot specifically black and white negative film you'll shoot something of very very high contrast. And then when you uh, you process your film with the usual agitation strategy, you know, you, you agitate the canister yes. uh, every 30 seconds or every 15 seconds. What happens is your film is a little bit too contrasty to print. So stand development, in theory, is that if you don't agitate during development as much or if you don't agitate at all, the parts of the film, the pieces of the film that have been exposed to a lot of light will exhaust that film developer that's in contact with it very, very quickly. And areas, the shadow areas that have not been exposed to that much light, will continue being processed after the highlights have been exhausted. The developer in contact with them has been exhausted. So by not agitating that frequently, you thereby reduce the overall contrast of the negative material, making it that much more easily printable. And that's called stand development. And some people agitate once every 30 seconds, once every minute, though they don't agitate at all. The problem with it is it can lead sometimes to uneven development, like some modeling in the negatives and some streaking. But if you want to try that, it's a really, really cool way of taming the contrast in your pictures. And uh, you simply have to experiment with it first to see if it's for you. But that's what stand development is. Thank you, Dwayne. Wow, that You're was welcome. very important. That was more information than uh, this whole podcast in, in two minutes. We didn't get to, but we will pick it up, talk about printing. In other words, using an enlarger to shine light through a negative to print onto a piece of paper. I have a whole folder here that picks up our conversation from the April about developing black and white and some color at home, developing the negatives. And I can't tell you how many emails that I got, many, that we were the catalyst for getting people to actually develop negatives at home. Good. I really think it's amazing. Amazingly awesome. Hey, you know, before we go, I forgot that we are giving away the Sheikah A. <gasps> we have one more giveaway. Oh, my. Yeah, this is great. You're, you're, you're stringing the people along, are you? I completely forgot about it. Oh. Maybe you should pick and he should read. Why don't we do that? Okay. Okay. Get a good one. Get a good one. <laughs> That's from uh, that Fast the, Times at uh, Ridgemont High. <clears throat> I was going to say, is that something your dad used to say? Because you unfolded it first, too. Yeah, you well, weren't supposed I, to unfold it. I thought it was courtesy. I didn't look at it. I was just doing. You can't a look courtesy. at it, Wayne. I was, just, I was actually buying you time to put your glasses on. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is from. Paul Glover. He says, cheers, so I'm assuming it's... Oh, nope. Moneta, Virginia. <clears throat> uh, I'd also like to put my name in the hat for the Yushika A because the voices in my head are telling me I should really try getting into medium format. And it fits together pretty well with the whole developing at home theme. He says, in the unlikely event that I win anything... Ha! Paul, <laughs> come that. on. Yeah. Don't be so pessimistic. Keep up the great work. Hopefully, the next few roles I'm about to get developed will have something worthy of the Flickr pool so I can give a little bit back. I'm sure they will. Way to go, Paul. You got Do you it. have a lot of photos in the Flickr pool, Mike? I don't put uh, 
and I don't put a lot of my photos in the actual film photography podcast Flickr pool. I put it occasionally put some. I don't flood my own work in it. I feel like, you know, you know, what's that word? I don't know. I'm not going to flood it with my, with my own work. A little opportunistic. A little narcissistic. Yeah, yeah. There are an awful lot of... Or you go, you finger up your own bum <laughs> if we were in England. We need to, maybe next show, revisit the Flickr pool and, yes. and look at some images. Yeah, because, you know, we, we talk that. about mail a lot and Polaroid a lot, and uh, that's great, but, I mean, so many people send in so many cool pictures, yeah, I think we should talk definitely about Definitely do that, to critique and explore some of the people that are out there, and hopefully, you know, listeners. We could should, do a whole show just looking should, at the pool. Listeners should send in, uh, you know, some of their favorites that if they go to that pool. And, oh, uh, like send us an email with a URL of yeah. their favorites. Yeah, say, oh, I like this one. Don't you like that one? Well. Oh, this is a bit of lovely. It's great lovely. Oh, this one is great. <laughs> Film photography podcast at gmail.com is our email address. We are on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is a wonderful place because all the links I find online about just about anything relating to film photography I place on on Facebook. Have you seen them? Yes, I have. Like uh, talking about the uh, George Eastman. Yes. A history about George Eastman, about the, the the other gentleman who I can't pronounce his name. Henri Cartier-Bresson? No, the uh, dogger film guy. Uh, de Gertem? <laughs> <laughs> no, the dogger type film Louis, de, Louis uh, de Gertem? Yeah, the dogger type. Louis, Darger- Louis de Guerre. Yeah, that's it. De Guerre. <laughs> no, Louis, uh, Louis Dog- Dogger Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> I had a piece of pizza with Louis Dagger Dyke. <laughs> Facebook.com, just type in Film Photography Podcast, you'll see our page. And uh, we also, of course, are on Flickr, Flickr.com. Go to the groups, type in Film Photography Podcast. And please tell your friends about Film Photography Podcast and get your friends, your mom, your dad, to start shooting film. And I, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm going to plug me, too. Yeah, do oh, me. Go ahead. If you want to say hi to me on Facebook, I talk about photography there, too. You spell my name D U A N E P O L C O U. So hit me up on Facebook. And if you want to go to model, if you're a, a photograph models, or I do a lot of fitness and glamour photography, go to modelmayhem.com. Modelmayhem backslash D U A N E P O L C O U. And we could talk about uh, shooting models. So that's a cool place to go to. And uh, John, you're not on the interweb, are you? No. What is that? <laughs> no, if you no, want to get in touch with John, you could just send it to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. His band, The Pink Delicates. New what? material coming soon. Oh, really? That's great. Cool. Maybe we could premiere some cuts yeah, on the Film Photography Podcast. That'd be great. And I just would like to say that if uh, I insulted anybody with my horrible impersonations of your accents from around the world, I apologize. It was all, all in good fun. I also apologize to all the Hasidics in, in Williamsburg for <laughs> using the name Moshe. It was done in fun. Right. We understand. Yeah. It's all in good fun. Yeah, it's all I good. I mean, them. listen to the way we talk. Hasidics. I mean, not about them, about how we talk. Yeah, we just talk like dopes anyways. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank but, you for listening. Really, thank you yeah, for listening. It's, it's a lot It's so cool that people fun. from around the world listen to this Yeah. and are encouraged and are, are catching the fever. That's right. Dro- Catch the fever. Drop your, drop your photo in our pool. <laughs> uh, we're going to a classic. Am- you still, you still, we still doing the diner. We're doing right? a diner, hell yeah! I'm we're going starving. to a classic New Jersey diner. Dwayne <laughs> brought some. What size is that? This is four by five sheet film. Is that impressive or what? Oh my goodness! It's the Grand Canyon. You know that the Polaroid craze actually has sort of like stopped me 
I mean, this is where I'm going. You know that, right? You buying a view camera? I might. Buying a 4x5? I looked up... Get a uh, speed graphic or a crown graphic. I, I was bidding on a speed graphic. I lost out by like 100 bucks. And buy like a, a beautiful old uh, Kodak Ektar lens. Who's like the that? famous speed graphics news photographer? You know, Stogie in his mouth. Oh, Ouija. Uh, Ouija. Ouija. Yes. You know what his real real name is? Mm-mm. Arthur Felig. Is that Why like? do they call him Ouija, though? And did you see I posted... I don't, shit, I don't have it in front of me. The gentleman... The African-American gentleman with the speed graphic camera that, yes. we, that we saw. He's famous. What about him? Well, I found out what his name was. Of course, I don't have it in front of me. Where can I find that? How would you find his name? Yeah. I don't know. Gosh darn it. I don't have it in front of me. Oh, I can go to... I turned off my computer. Oh. Well, next time. Dwayne and I went to the... Uh, what show is that? I believe it's called the Photo East Trade Show at the Jacob Javits Center in New York City, which is held every October, November. There was a guy dressed like decked out with a cool hat, with a huge speed graphic camera. And he's famous. He's famous. We're just hanging. Famous like... street photographer. I didn't know that he that he's famous. People are shooting him, and of course he charges twenty bucks to you know to shoot. Oh, does he charge that much? Yeah, twenty Whoa. bucks a shot. You think it's a lot? But he's famous now, know. so like you know a lot of people want to take his picture. Or, I've seen him for year. I've seen him for at least ten years. He's uh, he's hangs out all over New York City. If you type in his name into Flickr, you'll get a bunch of images of people shooting him. Whatever his name is. We're gonna fit next time we'll discuss okay. his name, the famous guy. Cool. Anyhow, thanks a lot. Here is a uh, Pink Delicates cut. Cut. And uh, we'll see you next month on the Film Photography Podcast. Don't forget to send in your email if you'd like to try to win the Mamea 135 camera, the Practica Super TL, or the Lubatel 2. All communist cameras coming at you next month. Film photography podcast at gmail.com in the header. Put the name of the camera and tell us just a paragraph about you and why you want to win the camera. See you next time. Goodbye, everybody. See Bye, ya. everyone. Say goodbye, Lala. Bye. I see suspicion as a Face on the